0: The following audio is from Summit Church. For more information on Summit Church, visit www.summitonline.tv. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. It is Easter Sunday, and we are thrilled that you chose to come and worship with us. What makes today so unique is that there are literally hundreds of millions of people coming together to celebrate one thing, and that is the resurrection of Jesus Without that resurrection, there is no church. There's no reason for us to gather here today, but he is alive. He's alive, and we celebrate that as one collective body all across the world. You are not alone today in celebrating something, the resurrection of Jesus, that impacts each and every one of you. And as we just look for a few moments today at one of the aspects, one of the aspects of his resurrection I would like us to focus on one saying. Jesus said seven things on the cross, at least that were recorded. Seven different phrases spoken by our Lord and Savior that I think each give us a window into what he was going through and the ultimate repercussions it has for us. And I want to focus on the first one of those, the first of the seven sayings. That's what I want to unpack today. But before we get there, I would like to set up the story because, and many of us can somewhat relate, Jesus has had a heck of a 12 hours, okay? It began with a dinner with his closest friends, one in which Judas, one of his 12 disciples, someone that had been with him three years, he would be identified as a betrayer, someone who was going to sell out Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, really not a large amount of money. And after Judas had left to betray the Lord, then it comes out that Peter, the number one disciple, is going to deny him three times before the sun rises. And Peter goes, there's no chance of that happening. Oh, but Peter was so, so wrong. Jesus leaves this intimate dinner, and he heads to a garden, a prayer garden where he'd been many times before, the Garden of Gethsemane, and he prays there for at least three hours, the entire time pleading with his heavenly Father, Please, if there's another way other than the cross, let that be, but not my will, yours be done. Three different times he went back to his three closest disciples and said, you can't even stay awake for this. Oh, it's such a big night. I need you right now. Can you please keep your eyes open? And each time they drogarily said, um, we'll try. And on the final time he said, it's too late. The hour has come and a large mob Filled with civilians and soldiers, all of them armed with torches and clubs, they come to arrest Jesus. He's taken to a makeshift trial in front of the Sanhedrin at the high priest's house. Now, the trial should have been held during daylight, but they don't want anyone to know about this. They bring in witnesses to testify against Jesus, but they can't seem to get their testimony to line up in the entire time. Jesus just stands there silent. By around sunrise, they'd figured out how to get at least two people to say that Jesus was wrong, and and they take him then to Pilate. Pilate is a governor who reports directly to Caesar They take him to Pilate early that morning. They throw him at his feet, and they say, we have found this man guilty of of crimes you can't imagine, but we don't have the authority to crucify him, so would you please just rubber stamp this deal? And Pilate goes, I'm not sure how I feel about this, but he, he talks to Jesus multiple times, and he finds him to be innocent, because he is. But Pilate can't handle the mob that's growing in the platorium, right there in front of his palace. He can't handle that. So what he does instead is he goes, I'm just going to beat him really bad. And and he has Jesus flogged, something that is so severe that half the people who underwent this flogging, they they didn't survive. And that's what happened to Jesus. He literally had the mess beat out of him. And he was put before a large group of people now around 9 o'clock in the morning on Friday, And Pilate said, look, I show you the man. He's he's not guilty. I've I've punished him for whatever crime you think. I think this is enough. And they demand that he be crucified. At that moment, Pilate washes his hands and says, his blood is not on me. And Jesus is placed with a cross upon his back. And he starts a journey. It's only five-eighths of a mile. We call it the Via De La Rosa, and he he heads to a place called Golgotha, just outside the city, because you can't kill someone within the city limits. He heads there, and it's then he's thrown on the ground, and he's nailed to the cross that he didn't quite make it there with. A guy named Simon of Cyrene had to finish the journey for him. Some Roman soldier, we don't know who he is, uh, nails Jesus' wrists and his heels to this cross, and, and he's placed there in front of hundreds of people who are hurling insults at him, spitting on him, and mocking him. And once again, this is an innocent guy. That, that's a rough 12 hours for anyone. And, and if you've had a worse one, I, I would love to hear your story, but that, that's bad for anyone. And what Jesus says next, the first of what would be seven sayings from the cross, what he says next is what I want to focus on today, what, what I want us to just wrap our minds around. These are the first words that come out of his mouth. They're found in Luke chapter 23, verse 34. Here's what Jesus says. After all that has just happened to him, he says, Father, forgive them. Hey, Dad, Forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. If I am Jesus, and I'm not, not even close, but if I am Jesus, those are not the first words out of my mouth. The first words out of my mouth are something more like this. Hey, Dad, Augustus there with the hammer, um, he's a hard no. He's not making it in. You, you, please, please. Or if, if, you're taking, if you're taking tabs right now, he's out for sure. He doesn't make it into our kingdom. He doesn't get to be in heaven with us. He just nailed me to a cross. My first words are, Augustus is out. And my next words are, hey, are you taking names for everyone else here? Now, And I, I don't know if you remember this, but me growing up in school, if you got your name on the board, that was your warning. If you got a check mark, that got really bad. If you got a second check mark, you had to go see the principal. If I'm Jesus, I'm like, hey, Dad, everyone here, name and a check mark. For my kids, it's a color chart now. Hey, hey Dad, everyone here is on orange. One more level is red, and you know where that leads. That's what I'm saying if I'm in Jesus' name. Place. That's what I'm saying if I have just been subjected to what Jesus was subjected to. That's how I feel, but not Jesus. He says, Father, forgive them. They're ignorant, and I'm not going to hold this against them. And I just wonder, has anyone ever done something that you know now to be really, really dumb? You regret it, but, but what can you do? You, you were ignorant. It was a mistake. You know that now. but what can you do if you've had to carry that mistake with you for your entire life? then I just want you to hear today that God forgives you. He forgives you. Jesus laid down his life so that you might be forgiven. He spent six hours that day on a cross so that you might be forgiven. In his final words on the cross that day, guarantee for me that you are forgiven. In John chapter 19, verse 30, Jesus says in his last breath, after he'd received a drink, Jesus said, it is finished. Those would be his final words. He would say, Father, into my hand I commit your spirit, or I commit my spirit. But but that that was all kind of one statement. It is finished. And with that he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. He had finished the work, the sacrificial work needed for your sins and mine to be forgiven. He had finished. The job, he'd completed the task. The mission was done up until this point, up until Jesus died on the cross on that Friday, up until then, every sin required a sacrifice. For some sins, you had to sacrifice a pigeon. For others, a dove would be required. A grain offering was needed for this type of sin. Or if you really, really, really messed up, you had to sacrifice a lamb. And Jesus, on that day, on that cross, he becomes the sacrificial lamb. His life was willingly sacrificed for all of your sins. All of them. But that's not the end of the story. That's beautiful and that's good, but that's not the end of the story because three days later, he would conquer death. He would come out of the grave. The resurrection is what validates all that he said And all that he did, his forgiving, sacrificing work on the cross was validated three days later when he rose. Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 8, it says this, on the first day of the week, that's Sunday morning, that's why we gather here today on Sunday to celebrate the resurrection. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices that they had prepared and they went to the tomb. There were at least three women, probably four, a couple Marys. Mary, the mother of Jesus, Mary Magdalene, they were there. Verse 2, they found the stone had been rolled away from the tomb. They discussed on the way there, how are we going to do this? How are we going to roll the stone away? But it had already been rolled away. Verse 3, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, where did he go? Suddenly, two men in clothes that were gleaming like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? Obviously, two angels appear that day at the tomb, and they say to these mourning women, You're looking in the wrong place. You're in a graveyard. The living don't live in graveyards. Only the dead and he's not alive. Verse 6, Jesus is not here. He has risen. Hallelujah. Amen. He's conquered the grave. He is alive. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. In fact, he told them four times. Four times this would happen. But they didn't remember, verse 7, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. And then, then, they remembered his words. Oh, yeah, 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 I remember him saying that. Yeah, he said that just the other day. Holy moly, it happened. His closest friends, his mother, didn't believe that he could really conquer death, but he did. The resurrection validated all that Jesus said and did. Church, because of the resurrection, because Jesus died and is now alive, you are forgiven. We celebrate today and every day because God chooses to forgive you. That is reason for celebration for me. God forgives you. Isaiah 55, verse 7 says, Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let bad people, which we all are messed up, let them forsake their ways and their unrighteous thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord, and he, the Lord, will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon he will freely declare you innocent of your sin. Have you ever wondered what Augustus, that's the guy I'm calling the hammer swinger at the cross, have you ever wondered what he thought upon hearing Jesus' words? Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. Have you ever thought from his perspective, how did he hear those words? And in my opinion he goes, "Wait, wait, 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 you're forgiving me?" That that's unique. I, I'm just doing my job. Most people are cursing me right now as I nail them to a cross. Most people are telling me my whole family's going to die like uh, but you you're different. You you just forgave me. That that makes me makes me wonder. Did I just do something wrong? D- did I just did I just crucify a good man? Did I just crucify an innocent man? And then, and then fast forward a few days later, I, I doubt that Augustus heard on Sunday that Jesus had risen from the dead. But at some point, he clearly heard about this guy that was dead and now he's not. So upon hearing that Jesus is alive, what do you think Augustus thought then? What, what do you think went through his mind? Uh, oh, oh no, I did do something very wrong. What what will happen to me? I I crucified an innocent man. What's going to happen to me? And then I think he hears in his mind the words echoing from Jesus on the cross. Forgive them. Forgive him. He doesn't know what he's doing. And then Augustus realizes, that guy forgave me. How could he possibly forgive me? He did nothing wrong. And yet I took his life. How could could he forgive me? I was the one who was wrong. How could he forgive me? Well, Isaiah makes it so clear that the Lord, the Lord of the universe, the creator of Augustus, the creator of me and you, he will give mercy and he will pardon those who turn to him. He will forgive your sin. And to, to that I just say amen and amen and amen. But, but you might ask, yeah, Augustus, he, he messed up. But, I mean, his action was like one thing and he was just doing his job. For me, I can't get over all the bad that I've done. I can't get over the mess that I've made of this life. How, how can God possibly forgive me? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 17 says their sins and their lawless acts, all that you've done wrong. I will remember them no more. I will remember them no more. God lets the past be the past. Will you let the past be the past? Your sins have been forgiven by the blood of Jesus. They're gone. Yes, you may still be dealing with the consequences of poor decisions and sins from your past. there, There are consequences for our actions, but God, the God of the universe, has forgotten them. He's forgiven and forgotten. Your sins are not just forgiven. They no longer exist And that is a great grace, and one that I pray today that you can embrace. This amazing mercy, this amazing grace that is given by God through the death of his son Jesus and his resurrection, your sins are not just forgiven, they are forgotten, God is not up there stewing over all the bad things you've done on a daily basis, just rubbing his hands together, waiting to get you. That's not what he does. He's provided a way to set you free from them completely, completely free from them. And so now knowing that, since God forgives you completely, will you forgive yourself? Are you willing to forgive yourself? So many of us walk in the guilt of our sin. What I've done just can't be forgiven. And even if it's forgiven by God, I can't forgive myself for such a dumb mistake, for such a bad season of life. Maybe you're still in it right now. And there's certainly people that I've hurt and they they can't forgive me. Even even if I could forgive myself, they'll remind me of what I've done. But Psalm 32 verse five says this, Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said before God, I I messed up. I acknowledged it before you. I said, I will confess my transgressions, my wrongdoing, my sin. I will confess them to the Lord. And you forgave, hear this, you forgave the guilt of my sin. Yes, your sin is forgiven, but that guilt, it sticks with you. That's a clingy sucker that just wants to hold you down. And Jesus knows that. And he goes, not only do I forgive your sin, I will remove the guilt of your sin. Oh, what grace. Being forgiven is one thing, but removing the guilt of sin is another. And God does this. Why? Because he loves you. Because he made you. And because he wants to spend eternity with you. And he does not want the guilt of your actions, the guilt of your sin, to rob you of eternity with him. He does not want to see that. He doesn't want you to degrade yourself by saying, I'm just so terrible. Guess what, church? We all are terrible. He doesn't want you to diminish yourself by saying, I'll never be good enough because of my past. Why? Because none of us are good enough. Stop believing that lie. He doesn't want you to check out or quit saying, I've done too much. God will never forgive me. Why? Because his son died for you to forgive you of your sins. So forgive yourself because you've already been forgiven. And then live as one who's been forgiven. In hopes that because you have been forgiven, you can then forgive others. Luke chapter 6, verse 37. Do not judge, or you will be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, forgive, and you will be forgiven. The grace and forgiveness that were shown to you should be a fuel, a fuel to you, to show that same grace and forgiveness to others. If you've ever thought, why do I feel so distant from God? I I know he's forgiven me, but there just seems to be this barrier. There's a good chance that that barrier is your lack of forgiveness to someone else in your life who's hurt you. There are people in your life that need to be forgiven simply because God forgives you. And, and that's a reality for all of us, and none of us want to hear that on Easter Sunday. I get it, but, but that is a reality. And you say, but what they did was really bad. And what I say to you, not God, what I say to you is, I'm sure they're horrible, way more horrible than you. But you still need to forgive. I can maybe forgive them, but I won't ever trust them. I won't ever trust them again. I won't ever like them again. Yeah, they probably are unlikable and untrustable but you still need to forgive. Yeah, they burnt every bridge with me. I tried. I tried for a long time, but I'm done. I'm done. You don't have to have a bridge left to forgive them. They may never sit at your table again, but you still got to forgive. Because by failing to forgive, you might be robbing yourself of the forgiveness God has given you. And that's just a fair warning today. You need to forgive at a heart level so that God will forgive you. And I know this may be very difficult, but I think about how God felt forgiving Augustus, the dude with the hammer. And yet he did so freely and willingly. The one person that if I'm Jesus, I say, no, he's out, sorry. And without blinking an eye, Father, forgive him. Forgive him. He doesn't know what he did. And this is as the blood of Jesus streams from his wrists and from his feet. That same blood that saves you and saves me. That same blood that washes over all of our sins. Today, as we celebrate the resurrection, validating all that Jesus said and did, one of the most profound things that he said is that he asked his father to forgive you. And the resurrection validates that forgiveness. You are forgiven by God in hopes that you can forgive yourself and then others. And that is what we celebrate today Romans 5, 8 says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Church, God loves you and he forgives you. He demonstrated his love for you and paved a way for your forgiveness by giving the life of his one and only son. He did that. We can't argue with that. That happened. So my question for you today is will you embrace that love and that forgiveness? Will you accept it? Because it was given. The price was paid. It was given. Will you embrace and accept it? Will you put your faith in the one who can forgive? Not in the things of this world, but in the one who can forgive. Will you place your trust and your faith in Jesus Christ? Every day, As you live, knowing that your life was bought with a great price and that was the price of Jesus' life on the cross so that you might walk with him, forgiven, restored, renewed, and made whole. Will you, will you put your faith in him and will you forgive yourself for the things of the past that God remembers no more? Will you forgive others for horrible things that may have been done to you, will you forgive others so that you might be forgiven? And finally today as we pray, will you respond? Will you respond in faith to this profound, life-changing message that God loves you, and He forgives you, and He laid down His life for you? You may be wrestling right now so hard with what to believe whether or not to forgive. But may I just remind you of the very first words out of Jesus' mouth on the cross that day. Father, forgive them. Forgive them. That is a blanket statement that needs no further explanation. You are loved. You are forgiven. Will you respond to him by putting your faith in him? forgiving yourself and forgiving others. Father, help us today to do just that. We need you. We thank you for your resurrection and the celebration that comes because of it. We know that we are broken and flawed and because of that, we are in need of a Savior. And God, because of your great love for us, you demonstrated that while we were still sinners that you would love us enough to send your son So may we put our faith and trust in him. Let your Holy Spirit speak to us today. May our faith be in him. May we forgive ourselves and others as we respond and trust in you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.